we doing, guys? My guest today is going to be Nikki Stone. Nikki was the 1998 Olympic gold medalist and was also a world champion in freestyle aerials. She has gone on to be a best-selling writer with the book When Turtles Fly and also a motivational speaker. In this episode, we discuss not only her journey of stumbles and successes, but tools to help you grow and achieve through what Nikki calls the turtle effect. I hope you guys enjoy Nikki's journey of failures and successes so far. And please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Enjoy. Alrighty, we're rolling. Nikki, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's always an honor. <laughs> so one of the things I really uh, have always admired, I mean, I remember when I was, uh, I've known you for a long time, but when I was a little, I was probably nine, 10 years old and going over to your house in Park City and just looking at that uh, Olympic gold medal. It was always such a, a driving force and inspiration for me. And it always really um, just gave me so much to, to reach for, you know, it was like there, it was tangible. It's one of those things, you know, you see it on TV, you see it on CBS, you see you go out and, and perform all these things. But when you see it there in person, you're like, okay, this is, this is what I can really drive for. So kind of curious in, in your career and, and through life, what has driven you? Well, believe it or not, when I was five years old, I saw Nadia Komenit score a perfect 10 in gymnastics, and I ran in my living room, put tables and chairs together, and made my own Olympic podium, and told my parents I was going to win the Olympics someday. And it was always that image of her on the podium that drove me throughout my entire life. And when I was about somewhere between 12 and 13 years old, I got to go watch the Olympics in Los Angeles. Okay. And it was so amazing because these weren't just TV stars. These were people that were right in front of me. And like you, you were pointing out, it's really tangible. And you, you feel like these are real people doing real things that I can accomplish. And if they can do this, why can't I? And so it pushed me even further. Um, and I wasn't until I was about 18 years old that I started aerial skiing. Okay. Um, I grew up as a gymnast and I did a lot of recreational skiing. And then I got into freestyle skiing. And it was 18 that I first went off the water ramps where you flip and twist into the pool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from that moment forward, it was just that I was hooked and it was something that I loved to do. I followed that passion and it was always that dream of standing on the podium like Nadia Komenich. So how do you kind of happen into it? What was it about aerials that kind of brought, brought you in? Well, it was the perfect marriage between uh, skiing and acrobatics and gymnastics and the first time I did a flip um, was exhilarating but I remember the first time doing it on snow and I was terrified I was so scared I remember flipping over and landing on my back coming up and it was like blurry and I'm like I'm in love <laughs> I love this sport and it's been similar the whole way through like each time it's that that fear and that feeling of um, you know am I gonna be able to overcome this um, and feeling like you're flying through the air uh, when I did my first triple backflips, I would go in the woods, I would throw up because I was so scared. I would literally get sick to my stomach and then go and take my triple backflips every single time I did them. And it was that scary. But for me, it was, I was that scared, but then I was able to overcome that. And that feeling of exhilaration and pushing myself and taking those risks was something propelled me forward throughout uh, my entire career. So the where does that kind of, you, you need to be a little bit of a daredevil, right? Does that come from like mom and dad or where, where does that kind of come from to be able to go jump off of, uh, you know, a triple, triple kicker for those out there that don't know it's, you know, you're going 40, 50 feet in the air and then 
landing on a steep landing. It's pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's some stupidity involved. Yeah, right, right, of course. <laughs> um, but really it's, it's something that I had um, that risk taking ability when I was very little. And I remember going out in gymnastics and someone would do a trick and I'd be like, that looks exciting. I want to try that. And it was something that I pushed myself so much that my senior year in high school, I was voted most accident prone because I think I had a pair of crutches in my garage for every year I had growing up. Um, I was always taking that risk, pushing myself a little too far. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've harnessed that in and, and pulled it back some and realized that we have to take those small risks. And um, it's something I've learned to do because I, like I said, I'm scared now, believe it or not, I'm afraid of heights. And what? so to be able to take those risks, you know, for me, it was taking the small steps and building up upon that okay. and asking myself by weighing out the pros and cons, is it worth taking these risks? And I've learned that you really can push yourself. You can take those risks and we can do a lot more than we originally think possible. But if we set that goal for ourselves and tell ourselves, you know, do something that scares you every day, mm -hmm. it really helps you be able to try some harder things like I did with aerials. Now, talking about some of that goal setting, I mean, is that how long did it take into kind of your career to be able to come up with that? Were you always someone that was like a note taker? Okay, I'm going to plan my day out like this. These are my goals for the day. Because, I mean, I've had different people on that are definitely... Uh, note takers or some are just like, no, not really. I kind of have a weekly idea of what I want to do. So I'm just kind of curious for you, what, what was it or is it? Well, uh, yeah, for, for me, I remember the first year I made it onto the World Cup tour and our coach had us write down what our goals were. And I wrote that I wanted to win a World Cup. And I remember a teammate of mine saying, you can't do that. No one wins a World Cup in their first year. You should put something more realistic of a top 10 finish. And I got to a contest uh, throughout the year and I was progressing and doing very well, but I certainly wasn't winning. And the second contest to the end of the year, uh, second to last contest, I, we got out to the hill, it was foggy, it didn't look great out. Um, they started wondering if they could hold this contest because they didn't know if it was safe enough. And we actually got the contest off, but there was a fog on the site and okay. we couldn't see the jumps from where we were. And we just had to have that trust of going down there and that the jumps were going to be there. And the one thing that kept me in line to actually go take these jumps was the fact that I'd written down on the piece of paper that I wanted to win a World Cup. And so it's something that I've always realized that not only to have your goals, but to, to write them down and know what they are, because it's going to be the thing that pushes you towards um, your goal, your, towards your outcome and, and your success mm -hmm. by making sure that we get rid of the distractions, we get rid of the hurdles that are in our way. And that point was driven home a few years later when I met Muhammad Ali. And he he has an aura about him. You know, yeah, you meet him and you just yeah. you just know he is something great. Right. And I asked him for some tips to success. And the one thing he said to me is, do you have your goals in your pocket? And I, I knew what they were, but I certainly wasn't carrying them with me. But I did understand what he meant by keeping our goals close by or taping them onto your mirror or having them in your pocket or your wallet or purse. You can pull them out and remind yourself of what you're striving for. Help yourself push past uh, a lot of those obstacles or distractions that are surrounding you. Right. And I feel like that's even more important kind of nowadays with cell phones and the distractions or evermore. You know, there's something so lovely about being able to write down your goals and putting like pen to paper 
I mean, yeah. just, I feel like it, it, it kind of, you know, let's talk about with uh, Nate Checkett's a uh, few episodes ago about just the difference that it makes rather than just being like, oh, putting it into your phone, like, okay, I, you know, this is kind of an idea where you really write it down, pen to paper, it really kind of solidifies it and makes it something to, to strive for a little bit more or, or to kind of attain, right? Yeah, and I actually encourage people to share it with a friend or colleague, you know, with me handing it into my coach, there was someone else who's going to make me accountable to it. Right. Yeah. And it's so easy to let go of some of that accountability when we have it just to ourselves. Um, I remember my first Olympics, I thought, oh, I'm just going to go out here and do my best. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't sitting there and, and making, putting it down on paper, reminding, telling the world, you know, when I did interviews, I said, I'm just happy to be here. Right. Um, I don't really want to go for that gold medal, but then I lost that accountability. And mm-hmm. so my second Olympic games, I actually shared with the world that I wanted to win and I might not do it, but that's what I was there to try to accomplish. And I had to make myself accountable to reaching that. Right. Yeah. It kind of builds that extra it's, it's good pressure, right? It's not, it's not bad. It I mean, it's, it's so, it's such an interesting thing, especially as an athlete to find that hard line or, or really in the business world, that hard line of what's good pressure, what's bad pressure, what's too much, like, you know, making a couple claims like that. I mean, I guess it also depends on the person, right? Cause somebody could be like, okay, now I have all this pressure. I've made this statement, like, this is what I want. And even if it is really what you want, you know, uh, it can be, it can be a bad reaction, right? Kind of depending on that personality. Yeah, I worked with a sports psychologist, um, and he was actually the person who got me interested in going into the field and getting my master's in sports psychology, studying it, writing a thesis on it. Mm-hmm. And he had reminded me that the most successful people in the world are always striving for something greater. So, you know, even if I say I'm going to go out there and win the Olympics, or I want to try to win the Olympics, you can always push yourself for something more. You know, I have friends that won multiple medals. And so, it's okay to not reach our goals, but if you don't push yourself far, far enough, and if you don't seek for something greater uh, to accomplish, you're never going to reach that level. You're only going to go as high as you set your sights to. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good perspective for sure. And yeah. kind of speaking, not only to, to being able to set those um, sites for hire and even if you don't attain those i mean talk a little bit kind of about your perseverance throughout your career i mean you talk about that first olympics that you didn't reach where you wanted to and then you're able to kind of change gears and in 98 obviously you get the gold but i mean you had to go through so many different trials and and tribulations throughout that you know you talk about all those different crutches every different year i mean i remember (laughs) towards the end of your career there that last nationals at the utah olympic park um, that, you know, you were dealing with some back issues and things of that. I mean, you definitely had some, some serious perseverance. So kind of, kind of speak to that perseverance a little bit. So I actually had a spinal injury, um, two years after my first Olympic games and, you know, I was doing well, I was first in the world at the time. Um, and that season leading into, uh, two years before the next winter Olympic games, I found some pain in my lower back and uh, throughout the year, there was a girl that was beating me from Canada named Veronica Brenner. And I wanted to be able to pull ahead of her. Um, So we got to a contest three quarters of the way through the year and Oberyoke, Germany. And Veronica didn't make it to finals. It was my chance to be able to pull ahead of her. And so I also woke up in that morning and found my back was in a lot of pain because we had to do a lot of jumps um, throughout that week. Mm -hmm. And I went up to my coach, told him I didn't know how many jumps I could do. But he said, well, you have to do them in practice if you want 
wanted to do them in the contest. And so I figured I could get through the two practice jumps and the two contest jumps. But when I went and took my first jump, it felt like someone came up and stabbed me in my lower back. And I got to the bottom of the hill and found that I couldn't even bend forward in order to stand up. And our physical therapist had to put me back onto my feet because I wanted to go back up and take another jump. And this time as I went down and off the jump, it felt like I had 10 knives stabbing me in my lower back. And I don't know how, but I managed to get around to my feet and I slid to the bottom of the hill and found that I couldn't move more than two inches in any direction. And I sat at the bottom of the hill and just cried because I couldn't even get up. And I had to stay in Europe for three days because I couldn't stand long enough to get on a plane in order to go home. And when I went home, they told me the injury wasn't a muscle spasm, which I thought it was. It was something called internal disc disruption, which the inside of your uh, discs become scrambled and it's leaking fluids. And I, it's something where, you know, I, this to two different level discs and, you know, they're pushing on nerves and it was something that wasn't going to go away. I was going to have this for life. So I had 10 doctors tell me that I was never going to ski again. And that's when the perseverance kicked in. Um, I did feel sorry for myself for a while. I started wondering if I was able to come back. Um, But I finally turned things around. I actually found a picture of a man named Joe Frazier, who won a gold medal in boxing in the 1964 Olympics. And he had done it with a broken fist. And I figured this man needs his hand for boxing as much as I need my back for jumping. And so if he could come back from this, why couldn't I? And so I started looking for doctors again. And it was the 11th doctor who told me I could come back from this injury, but it was going to take a big risk. And um, I really was going to have to push myself because he had me lifting heavy weights to build up the muscles in my back to support those injured discs. And it was unbearably painful. Uh, You know, when people drop to their knees, they're in so much pain. I had to lift heavy weights at that point. And I kept reminding myself of the Olympics and what I was striving for. And it really helped push me forward because I didn't want anything to take me out of that sport. It was something that I wanted to be able to take myself out uh, when I was ready and ready to retire. And it really pushed me throughout the entire way. And I realized there were so many obstacles that were going to be there. And the perseverance had to come from me. You know, it wasn't going to be a a doctor that gave me surgery or a pill that would have that magic fix. If I was going to be coming back, it had to be something that I believed in myself. I had to push myself and it was, it was only going to happen on my terms. Right. That, I mean, that's, that's some insane grit and and determination. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely. So you couldn't have, is it something that you couldn't have surgery on or? Well, because because there were two discs, if they fused them together, I wouldn't be able to bend my back at all. Um, in an important part of your back where you need to have that movement in order to um, go out and do something like aerial skiing. Mm -hmm. You know, I really had to have that mobility and the discs were not going to repair themselves. So I really had to make sure that my back was strong enough to withstand some of that. So that last nationals you saw me at, um, you know, I I really had to push in order to get back just to the Olympic games, you know, and to continue on, I realized, you know, at some point, that if I wanted to be walking by the time I was 50, that I really had to hang up the skis and turn to inspiring others. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of the ways I got into speaking is being able to have that inspiration and share it with others um, and share some of the perseverance, share the risks, share the focus, all the things that I've learned throughout sport and to be able to share that with the public. Now, going into that motivational speaking, I mean, 
that is uh, speaking in public is the is, it's like the number one fear over death. <laughs> People are more afraid to speak in public, and so why? I mean, it kind of I guess it fits your your character and your your kind of personality, right? With the attitude of going and hurling yourself off a jump, uh, which yeah. most people would say is a little crazy. I mean, going out and uh, speaking in public, I, people are definitely deathly afraid of that, right? So yeah. how, was that an easy fit for you? Or wh when did you kind of know like, hey, I, I really enjoy going up, standing in front of a crowd, and I think I have some, some things that they could take away and use in their own lives? Right. It, it didn't come naturally to me. Okay. Uh, it was something that, you know, I love being able to share the inspiration. I learned so much through sports psychology and how that translated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew I had the tools, the story, uh, the know-how to be able to share how people could tactfully go out there and achieve success. But I was nervous getting in front of a crowd. And so it was something that I realized, just like Ariel's, I had to practice it hundreds of times before I actually got onto the arena, the competition, um, or the actual speech. And I'd been through it so many times that I was actually comfortable at that point. And for me, it still to this day is very similar to Ariel's. You know, I don't go and throw up in the woods before <laughs> I have to speak, but I do get those nerves. And as soon as I get on stage and start speaking, you know, it relaxes me. And I actually get in that moment where I know that I'm inspiring people and taking them to another level. And it's that much greater than anything I did in my career, because it's not something you're accomplishing yourself. You're actually helping other people go out there and find their success. And it's incredibly empowering. Yeah, that's got to be super empowering and, and kind of fun to be able to see the room kind of interact and, and lighten up when you're bringing up uh, different, different points. So, so what kind of uh, advice will you have for some people if they're going into uh, to public speaking? Uh, the, the first thing I'd say is make sure you enjoy it. Um, it's if you get up there that first time, uh, you know, and, and throughout my career, and what I actually speak on is something called the turtle effect that my parents taught me when I was very little. They said, in order to be successful, you have to be soft on the inside, you have to have a hard shell, and you have to be willing to stick your neck out. And it was the perfect fit for me. And so that soft inside was that passion and finding what I love to do. And the hard shell was overcoming um, you know, some of these adversities that may, we may encounter. And that's the thing you also have to be okay with. You have to be okay to fail. Um, there has to be some times that you're going to go out there and not speak perfectly, or you're not going to have, you know, the reception that you were hoping for. And so you find ways to overcome that and you have to be willing to push around um, some of those adversities. And then you have to stick your neck out. You have to try new things. You have to take risks just in any job or any athletic sport, academics. We all have to take those risks and try something new because if you're going to have success, it's not going to be um, in that comfort zone. It's not going to be in that little box that we all want to stay in. It's going to be reaching out to something much greater. I mean, I feel like, especially in kind of today's world too, that, that reaching out is, is more and more difficult, right? Especially with social media and every single thing that somebody says is now under a microscope and everything else. You right. know, I feel like it's much more of a time period where people kind of want to be in that turtle shell and not stick their neck out and kind of reach for their goals or, or try something new because everyone's going to tell them how horrible of an idea or, you know, there's so many people out there nowadays that just, the naysayers, right? Right. Yeah. And, and for me, there was um, a quote by Wayne Gretzky 
that says you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And we all have to take those shots if we want to have success. If you are, you know, with with the team, a lot of times at the Olympics, there's the athletes that are okay to get the Olympic jacket. And it's a great success. You know, to make the Olympic team is incredible. But if you want something more than just being part of the team, being in the company, um, being, you know, at the school that you want to go to, if you want to achieve something greater, you really have to make sure you take that risk. And, you know, it's giving those shots. And one way I found to do it is by weighing the pros and cons of realizing, you know, these are the things that I can gain from it. And these are the things I can lose. And you always want to make sure there's more to gain. You know, there's, there's certainly calculated risks. We don't want to be stupid in the risks that we take. Um, And for me, it always helped me say what's the worst that can happen. Um, and so I remember at my second Olympic games when I was out there and I was nervous to do the triple backflip. And I said, I've done this before. I put the hay in the barn, you know, I prepared, I've done everything that I can do up to this point. And the best I can do is go out there and try because it's something that, you know, I, I wasn't going for second place or third place or fourth place, you know, I was going for the win. And so I really had to take that risk and I had to tell myself, you know, what do you have to gain? It's something great, but, um, it's, you know, what I would lose would be an Olympic medal. So I really had to push myself in order to take that risk to, to be able to go out there and achieve that. Yeah. I mean, that, so, I mean, it is such a big risk because you've, you've put so much hard work and dedication into that, right? I mean, it's all the jumps at the water ramps and we don't do as many as you for moguls, but we st- certainly get a, we certainly get a bunch in and then you have to, uh, you know, it's for three seconds four seconds, right? For us, it's a 30 second run or whatever. I mean, it's all this hard work and years of dedication for four seconds and and sticking that landing. But I think it's great to be able to, you know, that pros and cons is a really uh, good way to kind of put it because at the end of the day, like your family's still going to be there. Everyone's still going to love you no matter what happens. Like, so, so kind of being able to not be so afraid, right? That kind of helps you push past that fear of, of not winning the gold if that were to happen, right? Most definitely. And, and you're exactly right. We're in the air for three or four seconds. So one millisecond goes wrong and we can lose Olympic medal. Um, so it, it really, there was a lot of fears, you know, it wasn't something that was a walk in the park. It was something that wasn't, you know, a, a done deal. And I knew it was going to accomplish this, mm-hmm. you know, it was something that I really had to work hard. I had to make sure that I was going out there and pushing myself. And in order to achieve it, I really had to take, you know, a number of those risks, you know, not just within the jump, but everything I was doing with my training as well. Yeah. So, I mean, along with that kind of mental aspect in the mental game with the training, I mean, how important was, was the sports psych for you? I mean, obviously it was something you're passionate about. I ended up getting a master's and, and really kind of going down that field. That's what I'm doing right now, psychology. And I think sports psych would be feel they want to go down and I find yeah. it just super fascinating, especially in more of these skiing sports and everything else where it's less team kind of focused and you're the individual. It's you uh, against against the hill, and you have to be able to kind of conquer your own mind, conquer your own fears, as you talk about. So, how how kind of important was that uh, psychological aspect for you? I mean, was that it? Yeah, the, it was hugely important, especially yeah. after my spinal injury, because I couldn't do as many jumps as I'd done before, and so I would go up and stand on the hill and close my eyes and move my arms like I was going to do for my jump and try to imagine it perfectly so many times. And I remember the night before the Olympics, I went over my jump probably 
500 times in my head before I could go to sleep and I had to see it perfectly. And if anything went wrong within that vision in my head, I had to go and do it again. And so there was so much that went into, you know, the whole psychology behind it. And it was, it was something that was fascinating for me. I was drawn in by understanding what makes us tick and it translates so well into the business world because we, we take um, so many things that, that we do for success, you know, finding that focus, making sure we can overcome adversities, having the confidence, using your teamwork and your support system around you, finding that passion is everything that we have to do with any area that you want to have success in. And so having a greater understanding of the things that would help me get to that point um, were, were really something that fascinated me. And I, I wanted to be able to use that throughout my entire career. So kind of speaking to that, if you're for, for people out there, you know, a couple pieces of advice or kind of a, a, an approach for them other than, uh, you know, coming up with some pros and cons about kind of going into something, what, yeah. what, what else would you have for them? Well, one thing I learned for overcoming adversity, uh, it was something that I learned in one of my first um, sports psychology classes is that my teacher had us all stand out with our arms out to the side and we had partners and our partner came up behind us and we would try to hold our arms out as stiff as we could and not let someone push our arms down. And he said, as you do this, close your eyes, put your arms out and think of something negative. Think of something that um, drags you down, something that you've had in your life that's happened to you that uh, defeats you, makes you feel depressed, makes you feel, you know, like a failure. And um, it's something that, uh, you know, really, draws on all your emotions and, and drains you. And I put my arms out to my side and I, I thought about at the time, my mom was going through breast cancer. And I started thinking, you know, of all the things that could go wrong with this and how defeating it was for our family and how I felt hopeless that I couldn't help her. And I couldn't believe how weak I was and how my arms just dropped the second that I put them out to the side. And he had us do the exercise again and have us put our arms out to the side and he, told us to think about something that was positive, something that made us feel full, something that inspired us and pushed us to something greater. And I remember thinking that this um, sickness that my mom is going through is actually gonna bring our family closer together. Um, It's something that I knew she was a strong woman. I knew that she was able to take those risks. And you know, there was so much hope for the future um, that she would be able to realize that life was, was really worth it after going through this. And just by doing that, you know, this person could not push my arms down. And so I always tell people that if you're going through, you know, something where you're feeling defeated, um, we do something in sports psychology called stop thought, um, thought stopping. And you have to stop your thought right at that moment and come up with a few things, um, whether they're words or images that you can call to mind that help put you in that positive frame of mind. So whether it be um, so much children, whether it be, um, you know, just the word win or um, you got this or, you know, an image of, of standing on the Olympic podium, you know, whatever that is, it's something that puts you in that frame of mind. It's actually going to make your mind and body stronger to be able to handle a lot of those adversities. That's, I mean, that's super cool. That's definitely, I'm definitely going to try that when I get off. I'm going to have 
my fiance behind me and we'll do the, we'll do the <laughs> and it's amazing i was i was so amazed you know i was thinking you know like how can it be so different mm-hmm. and you know for me it was something that i realized you know I, I had to dig down deep and and think about something really inspiring and you know still to this day when something's going wrong with my children you know i, I sit there and remind them you know let's think of something positive let's think of something that makes us feel strong and then and you have you become empowered to be able to go out there and do something rather than letting the world happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it shows like the power of attitude too, as well, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Oh, most definitely. That that's such an interest, and the attitude is such an interesting thing because you know, uh, one of my dad's sayings, "Attitude is everything," which is definitely yeah. uh, definitely true. But it's one of those things because I have so many friends out there that maybe don't have the best attitudes towards things, and it's so yeah. hard to be able to convince them to be able to do something it's like no you can you can easily do it you're fine like you got you know it's it's where, where would you say the ad is attitude more uh is that from the self or is that from the environment i mean where do you think that kind of your attitude towards life kind of comes from i mean i've always kind of been happy go lucky head down work hard like life is good and then i there are other people i got other buddies that are like eeyore it's like hey man life's not so bad what's what's why are you so upset right <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's some of both, um, you know, like there, there's a lot within you that's pushing you to want to be greater, to have that positive attitude. But like you said, you know, your father shared some advice with you. Mm-hmm. So there are those environmental factors that are going to help you keep that positive attitude. And so uh, one thing that's important, you know, not only to make sure you're having that attitude, but surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you keep that attitude. And um, I, I remember hearing a speaker that was saying that, you know, you become the product of the five people that you're closest to. And so you really want to surround yourself with people that are going to help push you and make you a better person. Um, because if you have people that are down all the time, you have people that, you know, make you feel like, oh, you're not going to accomplish anything. You're never going to go out there and find that greatness. But if you're inspired by the people around you, it's really going to help push you to find something greater within yourself. Now, who, who are some of those people that like, whether it's during your career or when you were younger that have really kind of helped inspire and kind of, kind of push you? Yeah, I was very fortunate. You know, I think it started with my parents Mm -hmm. and I don't think I realized that until I was much older. Uh, you know, growing up, I always thought, you know, they're just giving me this stupid advice again. And, you know, I like, I keep failing. So what, what good is it bringing me? You know, I remember at one point saying, you know, my parents would tell you, you know, you either have um, success or you have a learning experience. And I said, I'm so sick of having learning experiences. And so it was something that they were always helping me to be able to push further than I thought possible. And now that I have children myself, I realize it's such a fine line between being able to support someone and pushing them because you don't want to be that parent that's sitting there, you know, telling your kids to do something. It has to come from them. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, not be supportive and not be that safety net and to, um, you want to be able to push them enough so that they believe in themselves. And so it's, you know, my parents were hugely beneficial to me growing up um, and helping me see, you know, everything that was possible without letting me 
you know, they always let me believe that that gold medal was within my grasp, even when I was five years old. Um, but it was something that I had to go out there and put the work in. And I was also lucky that I had many coaches, many doctors, many therapists, um, you know, my whole entire family, my team that would all support me in order to win that Olympic medal. And I don't think it ever takes one person. And I remember standing on the Olympic podium and hearing my anthem play. And it was in that moment, hearing the anthem, realizing, you know, this represents the United States and all the people that are behind me. And it, I started going through my head thinking, you know, like, what kind of a support have I had? You know, this isn't just my medal. This is my country's medal. This is, you know, the doctors that helped me, the nurses that helped me, the physical therapists that helped me, the coaches, my teammates, you know, each giving me that extra step up so that I could reach that top spot of the podium. That's yeah. I mean, that's a really cool, that's an awesome way that you give me goosebumps thinking about it mm -hmm. on the top there, listening to everything. I mean, it really is while it's an individual sport, right? I mean, it, it takes a, it takes a whole village to kind of help you get up there. And yeah, that's a super cool. Super. Yeah. Super cool. I, I still can't listen to the <laughs> national anthem without, you know, bringing you back to that moment and getting chills every time, because it's something that was so powerful for me. You know, it was mm -hmm. so impactful. Yeah. And, you know, I get tears when other people are on the Olympic podium, but standing up there myself and hearing my anthem play, you know, knowing that all the sacrifices were worth it, everything I've done has been worth it. And the support that I had to get to that moment um, was, was really genuine. And, you know, I was so happy to have that from so many people. Now, kind of, um, not only a part of that, but the, the pressure, because it was interesting. I don't know if you've seen the, the documentary Weight of Gold that just uh, came out on HBO. But, I haven't uh, seen the whole thing, was, but I've seen clips. I mean, would you say that there was uh, that big external pressure of, of you to perform well? Or you say it was more of just uh, you on your own, like you create your own pressure. You don't really let those external forces in because I just kind of curious because there's definitely some perspectives of you know, that weight is certainly a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there is, there is factors, you know, like I remember my first Olympic games. Um, it was the first time that I would come out of the bathroom and they were filming me because I was, you know, ranked top three in the world. And I was one of America's chance to bring home an Olympic medal. Yeah. And I'd never had, you know, people following me around before and had that media and had that pressure. And, you know, I started thinking about how my hometown would want to have, you know, an Olympic medalist there. And, and they're my coaches that put in all this work and, and hard work. But, you know, the bottom line is it comes down to how you handle that pressure. And that, that does come from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it also comes from the fact that this is something that I've dreamt of since I was five years old. And so I had to go and take that pressure and harness it and realize that, you know, no one's going to be more disappointed than me if I don't do well at this. Yeah. But if I don't harness this pressure, you know, it's, it's obviously out of my grasp. Right. And I, I look back now and I had convinced myself that I like pressure. And, you know, I realized, you know, I'd always say, no, I love the pressure. You know, I love going out there and competing and having, you know, people push me to try something greater. And I remember after the Olympic games going and watching, you know, my teammates in the next games. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm never going to have to do that kind of pressure for myself again. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had children and I realized it's all over again, <laughs> but you do, you have to convince yourself um, that it's something that you need in your life and convince yourself that mm -hmm. it's going to help you. Um, and it's something that you, you can like. <laughs> right. Well, it's, I mean, it's either helping you or hurting you, right? There's kind of no in between right. there. So the pressure is either going to be bad or it's going to be good. Kind of just 
depending on the, uh, on the situation. Right. And I, it's actually even with my daughter today. Um, she is a, is a professional dancer. Um, she okay. competes um, in dance. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, even when she was younger and she was competing, I told her, you know, she was all nervous before a contest. And I said to her, no, you actually do really well under pressure. And I thought of one instance that there was pressure and she performed well. And it was just that mindset. It was all she needed to realize, you know what, it's okay that I have this pressure. It's yeah. something that I can do well with it. And, you know, it goes back to that attitude, you know, the mindset of telling yourself that pressure, you can use it and it can be something great. Um, and I could have told her the exact opposite that day, you know, like that you crumble under pressure and it doesn't work well for you. And she wouldn't have had that same success. Yeah. And so you have to realize that there is a way to be able to use the power, harness it in a way that's going to help you move forward and there are those pivotal kind of people that you trust in that scenario right like if yeah. your coach is like hey you're not very good under pressure that is going to carry a little bit more weight right if mom's saying like hey you're going to kill it like you do great remember yeah. this one before like that that can carry you kind of so much further right than just some random friend being like oh you suck under pressure <laughs> yeah exactly and that's why it's important that we realize ourselves you know with colleagues and colleagues and teammates and um, family members you know that your words are way more powerful than you actually know and so keeping that positive attitude is going to be contagious with the people around you. Yeah, definitely. So, so not only that, you know, you talked a little bit about the, uh, the, what, what, the turtle, um, the turtle effect, turtle <laughs> effect. And then you came out with a book when turtles fly. Yes. Now, I mean, that's a super, I love the, uh, the cover of it for those out there that uh, it's a really cool turtle with its neck out, right? It's taking that risk. And, and he's got a rocket on his back. Rocket <laughs> on the back. He's launching into the air. It's super, super cool. So kind of just talk about how that all came to be. Cause you got a lot of really cool collaborators and, and great stories. Mm -hmm. And it's a super uh, awesome read. It's on Amazon. If anyone uh, is looking to, to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the, when Turtles Fly, Secrets of Successful People Who Know How to Stick Their Neck Out, you know, I wanted people that really were going to have great success. And, you know, after I would speak, you know, I'd have people say to me, you know, I wish my child had heard this. I wish my brother had heard this. I wish, um, you know, we had some way of capturing this. And, and so I wanted to be able to share that story in a book. Um, and I also found that people would come up to me from all different walks of life, no matter what company I spoke with, they talked about how they use that turtle within their life and it really helped them find their success. And so I wanted to find the ways that having that soft inside, having the hard shell and sticking your neck out would help people, whether they be Nobel Prize winners, Fortune 500 CEOs, whether they um, were celebrities, um, actors and actresses, um, you know, people in the music industry, no matter what their success, they would talk about how they use their turtle in order to find success. And there were such incredible stories, you know, like it was people that I got to meet from all different walks of life. And I was so moved by their stories. And I took my story and intertwined it throughout um, the entire book, including lessons of how people can push themselves to find something a little more um, using hands-on tools to help them find success. And it was great to be able to do it in a number of different voices so that people could you know, kind of tag on and relate to someone that they found, you know, this um, camaraderie with, um, found someone right. that they, you know, felt was their career was an analog analogous to theirs. So 
it's, it was really great to be able to have so many people that were willing to share their stories. Yeah. I mean, it's super, I mean, it's also like uh, Lindsay Vaughn kind of getting, heli- finding the passion, you know, realizing that as she's getting helicopter after, after she gets hurt. Right. Um, right. Super. Yeah. Super, super interesting. And um, I think it's definitely would be a good, a good read for people out there looking for, uh, for some kind of tips on success and some guidance kind of into that field for sure. Now, were there any other books or anything that you would kind of recommend that kind of have helped you along your way as well, or that you've been, you've been reading recently? One of my big things is trying to get more, uh, more books, more reading in and more audio books as well. So I've been, I've been catching up on my, on my reading. So it's been good. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if, you know, people are along those lines that they like kind of the Olympic stories, you know, kind of with athletes and things I was asked to be part of a book and you know it's not why I recommend it I I actually love all the other athletes that are part of this John Neighbor who is a medalist in swimming had a book called Awaken the Olympian Within and he would share different stories you know very similar Um, it wasn't intertwined with his story but they're actually you know different people that are really inspiring um, and they shared their story as well you know for me it's a lot of podcasts it's listening um, to different people on the internet, you know, going to speeches, you know, going to hear people speak, um, because I want to, for me, it helps to have different quotes to hear people, their stories, and it's something to relate to, you know, it's not just someone telling you, you know, you, you have to do a hundred jumping jacks if you want to become stronger this way. It's yeah. someone saying, you know, this is what I did. This is what I had to overcome. This is how it helped me. And it's those stories that really help push us forward to um, be able to overcome some of those adversities that are going to be standing in our way. Yeah. Okay. Awaken the Olympian within. I got that written down. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to pull that. Can you, is that just like a, on Amazon? Yeah, I, I believe it is. If not, I'll get you a copy. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Um, so what's kind of going on moving forward? What's, uh, you know, I know that uh, COVID has obviously made uh, speaking a little bit of a, of a difficult uh, time frame, but I feel like there's got to be uh, some interesting and it's got to create some, some new things, some new avenues that, that you can kind of open up into and, and be able to share this, you know, because I think it's such a fun and interesting story about grit and determination for you, you know, and I think as a, as a speaker, yeah. it's been, it's been awesome to kind of listen about the experiences and how much you, you know, um, you've learned right throughout your career. Right. It's amazing. You start in one spot and kind of, as you end up that growth, which I guess, you know, it's supposed to be natural. You're kind of supposed to have that, but I mean, it's, it's amazing to, to see the perseverance and, um, all Thank the hard you. work and dedicate notes. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is something that it, it stays with me throughout my life. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that I look at my spinal injury, you know, and it was very similar. Like I had to find a different way to get around this, you know, it wasn't going to be that straight path in order to achieve the Olympic games. And it's, you know, very similar with speaking right now, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's not as much speaking going on. And so I have to find different ways to be able to share that inspiration, whether it be through great podcasts, um, like in the arena, or it's, you know, online virtual speaking, or there's, you know, these different motivational minutes that I'm going to come out with to be able to share uh, with companies and, you know, make sure that inspiration is getting to people every day because we all need it right now. And, you know, when you're oh, going absolutely. through hard times, 
it's really hard to keep that positive attitude. And so if someone can be reminding you all the time that there are, there are things that are possible. There are things that we can do. We can push forward and we can all have success together. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's great. Uh, uh, Cause I have so many friends now, especially with everything that's going on, they're not able to work from the office, right? You're working yeah. from home and it's definitely not the same thing. And right. there's so many distractions around you and things like that. So to be able to kind of have that little motivational prod and to, to be able to get those things right. done during the day, you know, when I was originally planning on doing the podcast, it was not through zoom. It was right. not, you know, over the internet I was planning on doing it in person. And, you know, as you speak to uh, figuring out different ways, it's like, okay, I'll pivot. I guess I'll, I'll try zoom. You know, right. it's not quite the same as hopefully the next time we do this, you'll be right across from me. And, you know, there's that, that yeah. different, that different kind of vibe you get when you're actually in person with someone rather than when you're kind of doing it through this, this avenue, but you, you do the best that you can with what you're given. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, you, you're not always going to have the easiest path and to be honest with you, it, it's, 10 times more rewarding when you have to find another way around um, in order to get to that finish line. Because if you had a straight path there, it was easy, you didn't have to work that hard, uh, it wouldn't be as rewarding. And so when you have to find a new way, when you have to you know, change course and realize that you, there is always a way to the finish line, you just might have to climb a mountain in order to get there. Yeah. Um, it really is that rewarding when you do cross the finish line. Absolutely. So for some uh, athletes or people in the business world kind of start, you know, what, what kind of advice or, you know, they're navigating through doubts and fears, especially, you know, new aerials program, they're trying new jumps and, and things of that nature. And what, what kind of, what words of wisdom would you have for them to, to navigate through their fears? Well, one, it's okay to have failures. Okay. You know, we all fail. Um, the most successful people in the world are not the ones who didn't have adversities. They're the ones who keep getting back up. And so it's okay to have failures. And, you know, as my parents told me growing up, you have to see them as experiences. And I can tell you that I gained so much more from the contest that I didn't do well than the ones that I did. And I remember one day we were looking at video and reviewing what was going um, through our practice jumps. And I remember my friend and teammate, um, she said, oh, that was a bad jump. I don't want to watch that one. And I was thinking, you know, like, don't you want to know what you did wrong? You know, you have to have an understanding and learn where the mistakes are made. Um, I had one of my worst contests uh, about a month before the Olympic Games. And I had a lot of people come up to me afterwards and said, why are you so upset? You know, like this isn't the Olympics. The Olympics are still a couple months away. And I said, but it could have been, you know, and so I've got to work through all these issues and, you know, find out what things aren't working for me. And use those, learn from them and be able to grow. And yeah. so, you know, those, those setbacks are, are just ways for us to grow. It's ways for us to learn. It's ways for us to, um, you know, expand our horizons. And so it's okay to fail. Uh, the other thing I think is important is to make sure that you love what you're doing because, and, and there's ways to find that love. You know, it's not always easy. You know, I, I didn't always love aerials, you know, the, like, yeah. like, I, I love the sport as a whole and I loved doing the sport, but there were things that I didn't love about it. I didn't love lifting weights, but I had to find a way to have that passion to find the things that I loved um, within the sport because, you know, you're not going to be willing to overcome a sickness. You're not going to be willing to push yourself a little further if you're not loving what you do, because it's every day that leads up to that, that great accomplishment. And so you have to be loving every day in order to get to that end point. 
And then the last point I'd say is to, to make sure that you are trying something new every day. Take and push yourself and realize your potential because so many people limit themselves. So many people say, I, I can't accomplish that. You know, I have people tell me like, I, I remember I thought I couldn't run a marathon at first because I didn't have that athletic ability. Mm -hmm. And I've run three of them now. I qualified for the Boston Marathon and it's something that you just have to learn to train yourself the right way and have that mindset that you can accomplish something, but you have to push yourself and get out of that comfort zone. Well, I think you definitely push yourself, right? You seem to always be out of the uh, out of the comfort zone, which is which is awesome. Now, where can folks uh, look you up, find you? Uh, are you on social media and, and kind of online? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is nickystone.com, n-i-k-k-i-s-t-o-n-e.com, um, and I have both a Twitter and Instagram page. You know, Twitter is Nikki Stone Gold, and Instagram is Nikki Stone Gold Olympian. Um, to be able to share some of those insights and uh, you know, hopefully they'll see some of those motivational minutes coming up soon. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, next time, hopefully we'll be able to do this uh, in person. I would love that. I would love that. It's great to be with you, Bobby. And uh, I look forward to hearing more from you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening in. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to take the time to like, share, and subscribe our show. And also you can follow along on Instagram. Thanks.